I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Silk vs. Season 2 launches tomorrow, Monday 21st, March 2022, returning our listeners to a world of strange gods and horrific sacrifice. And if, like our cast and crew, you live your life in a miasma of confusion, terror, and uncertainty, you may be struggling to remember exactly what happened in Season 1 all those long months ago. That's why we contacted a few of our Season 1 voice actors and asked them if they could remember for us. Please enjoy the highly accurate and in no way subjective Silk vs. Season 1 recap. Episode 1 What is the most important thing you need to know about Episode 1? Carpenter has some amazing pancakes and a really nice cappuccino. That is really the core scene of the whole episode. It's the most important and possibly the defining scene of the entire series. Will Carpenter get pancakes again? Will she get another cappuccino? We just don't know and we're left to wonder. So Carpenter and Faulkner are on a pilgrimage for their illegal river god, the Trawler Man, who they worship with varying degrees of enthusiasm. They're looking for other disciples of their faith and they hate each other's guts. Absolutely hate each other. The scene opens in classic detective style, with Carpenter expertly examining a dead body while Faulkner looks on in awe at her super, super skills. 
Carpenter's a little bit tired, you know? She's like, tired today. Faulkner's way too enthusiastic about this trip, and Carpenter is tired. She is so tired of him. We get the vibe that she might be tired every day. She's a little bit world-weary. Uh, she grew up in the cult of the Trawler Man, uh, was raised by her grandmother, Nana Glass, who was ultimately killed by agents of the law. And her brother, M died in prison in what can only be described as an incredibly baller scene that you will just have to listen to. Carpenter's been working for the Faith for a long time. She's basically an OG MVP. And now she's stuck with Faulkner, who can be described as an over-eager puppy. And there's definitely no more to him than that. But he also secretly wants to murder her, like he semi-accidentally on purpose sacrificed his older brother to the Trawler Man as a kid. Boy has less hinges than a hole in the ground. And while they're road tripping and hating each other, they get to see a horrible flesh boat, Faulkner loves this. Oh, Carpenter's reaction is a little bit more along the lines of, uh, great. Yeah, no, I definitely wanted this to happen. This is so good, and I'm glad about this. Episode 2. In episode 2, Mason, Carpenter's handler and, uh, overall affection withholding, passive aggressive figure of authority, sends the pair to speak with a local bookshop owner, Peterson, who worships another illegal god, the Waxen Scrivener. This entire encounter ends with what can only be described as the world's worst imagining of a bookworm. Faulkner does not love this. Episode 3. Episode 3. I don't know, Carpenter's not in this one. But we are introduced to a new character, Investigating Officer Hayward. I'm Hayward, Investigating Officer for the Greater Glottage Police Force. I specialize in religious homicide. So, they sent me out to this podunk farm in the middle of nowhere to go check on a bunch of missing hikers. And uh, when I get there, there's this guy who... Um, <laughs> Let's just say uh, he probably hadn't showered in a, a, a day or two. And, and I get to find out why. It turns out that he'd been super busy. Yeah, it turns out that uh, there's this god of hunger that he had in the middle of his field. And in order to feed said god of hunger, he was feeding them rabbits that he was mass breeding and chaining to the walls. This is my Tuesday. Episode 4. Episode 4. Everybody's favorite. Carpenter is very much in this one. She heads out into the woods in search of further signs of the trawler man and encounters a bickering romantic pair, Charity and Gareth. Gareth being just the worst. It ends with the group being pursued by twisted dog creatures and it ends with Carpenter standing on a burning house in an attempt to destroy the god the Charity has lured them all there to feed. Carpenter burns her copy of the Silt Verses and uses it to set the house alight. Faulkner does a great job here. He drives out to rescue Carpenter, although she does take a vicious leg wound from Charity in the process. Episode 5 Carpenter is back to being just very, very tired. She's very tired, and now she has a massive gaping hole in her leg. So what does she do? She goes out and she has, yes, it's another cappuccino. 
But unfortunately, this cappuccino comes with a caveat and she's forced to sit there and listen to a cop monologue about his divorce. I just stopped into a diner because I've just been driving and I'm tired. Problem being, Carpenter doesn't know he's a cop. It is indeed Hayward. In a delicious piece of dramatic irony, we are aware that this outlaw and this cop are sharing, well, I'd call it a conversation, but once again, it is predominantly a monologue. Uh, I, uh, I may have... I may have rambled on a bit. While all that is happening, Faulkner has discovered that the owner of the motel they're staying in, Stanton, knows who they are. Remember the hallowing of poor innocent people we talked about earlier to make them horrendous, horrific saints? That happens here. Big time. Faulkner turns a motel owner into a shrimp saint. Faulkner, we see, is also a little bit like, uh, yes, no good. This is what I wanted to happen, definitely, for sure. He flees the scene of the crime, catches up with Carpenter, and unfortunately, they are both stopped by Hayward. Lo and behold, I happen to find them down by the river, in a van. Definitely not looking shady at all. So I approach them and casually, but not so casually, needle them a bit. And uh, they stick with that bird-watching story. And then we both go our own ways. Episode 6. And so they have to run from the cops. Episode 7. We meet Paige, everybody's favorite marketing manager. She works with a company, an agency that creates and rebrands gods. Unfortunately, Paige discovers that the agency itself is planning on a rebrand. A process which will involve a large amount of sacrifice. One of these sacrifices ends up being Paige's own mentor, Vaughn. Vaughn also happens to be a good friend of Carpenter's from her teenage years. Devastated and guilty, Paige flees, driving across the border to the peninsula, trying to escape from her life, and ends up being carjacked by Carpenter and Faulkner. Episode 8. Paige, bless her heart, tries to mediate their bickering and has to go on the adventure with them as a hostage friend. They arrive at the abandoned house of Roke, a sculptor and worshipper of the Trawler Man who was driven out of Marcel's Crossing, and they investigate. They find a tape, Roke's message and confession, and then realize that they are actually standing in a trap. And together they get attacked by his big guard dog, Spider Crab Angel, and Faulkner tries to talk to it like a puppy, and it does punt him. And he gets hurt very bad. Carpenter and Paige drag him to the car, and the three best friends that there ever, ever was flee the scene. Episode 9. More cop stuff. I'm in a boat with a giant shrimp. And so what do you do? You talk at the shrimp, because all you get back is... It wasn't a very good conversationalist. Then I find out I'm getting a new partner, Dagler. He's an older guy with a bad attitude. Even worse, morals. Just so long as the job gets done, it doesn't matter. Great. Episode 10. Carpenter, Page, and a wounded and unconscious Faulkner take refuge in an abandoned call center. And anyone who has worked in a call center knows that that is definitely one of the circles of hell. Instead of getting a nice bit of respite, they are actually instead attacked by the creature living in the vents that worships the phone god, Babel. Faulkner almost gets his ears ripped off. But uh, Paige uses Carpenter's gun, which she took without permission, 
and actually gets a shot off at the thing. Episode 11. Faulkner is not doing too hot. And Carpenter and Paige have to do a little escort mission to make sure he doesn't die, uh, which is very nice of them, all things considering. Uh, but don't worry, he doesn't die because he gets healed by a man who lives in a dump, so it's fine. Episode 12. What is any road trip with your best best buddies if you don't stop to eat some greasy food? They go out to eat at the scariest restaurant imaginable and realize it's a Trawler Man holiday. So Carpenter tries to make this like a big old family meal because Trawler Man holiday. But like most family meals, it turns into a political argument between her and Paige and Faulkner is terrible at mediating unlike Paige. So it doesn't end well. And Paige decides to dip on the worst hostage takers in the world. The episode ends with Paige leaving the pair and Carpenter and Faulkner sharing a moment on the river. She realizes her faith is failing and she no longer resents Faulkner. In fact, she's jealous of the certainty he has. And she wonders who she is going to be without her faith in the Trawler Man. Episode 13. Carpenter and Faulkner arrive at Bellwethers, which has been destroyed. The police were here. They've left off tape and everything, but uh, they clearly took one look around and went, nope, and left it. Uh, it has been turned into a watery, crustacean monstrosity of a town. Of course, Faulkner loves it. He loves it so much. This is Disneyland. Uh, while they're there, they discover the return to crab nuke, the wither mark, which he loves even more. Uh, it has been destroyed particularly by the Withermark, which is an Armageddon symbol of the Trawler Man that Roke has set off in the center of town. Carpenter, like a reasonable person, tries to convince him that no one needs this nuke, much less anyone they know. And he, of course, disagrees because he very much likes the idea of a crap nuke, thank you. And so they scuffle. He wins because she's hurt. And he leaves her to get arrested by the cops that have been chasing them. So Dagler and I get to this scene, and I'm like, we're going to arrest you. And Dagler's like, no, let's just kill her. What have I gotten into? Now i got to deal with this psychopath that wants to just murder our key suspects. And uh, then our suspect's friend comes out covered in mud and symbols, and a gigantic hermit crab monster cuts Dagler in half. That's what comeuppance is, bitch. Hayward grabs Carpenter and flees the town as more police cars converge. Meanwhile, we return to Paige, who's attempting to cross the border to get back to her nice city life. And she realized something very strange is happening. This whole time we've been getting radio broadcasts from Sid Wright, the sleepless disc jockey. And now it looks like he has in fact become the prophet of a new god of sleep. He uses his powers and the radio station to send people to sleep across the peninsula. Episode 14. Faulkner doesn't quite have a crisis of faith. Uh, it's more of a crisis of the people that he was meant to rely on. Mason in classic Mason style just gets the information off him and then hangs up, leaving him to deal with the police in pursuit. Faulkner pretty much gets abandoned by everyone he cares about, um, scares his only living brother with the most cryptic phone call possible, and decides to set off the crab nuke for the drama. But more importantly, and the most important thing of all, is that while Carpenter is being interrogated by Hayward, she gets another coffee. I did learn that her name is Carpenter, uh, so I, I, I guess that's a small win, and I'm trying to convince Carpenter that, uh, 
it would be in her best interest to side with us because, you know, charges can be a little bit less. And uh, especially if we can capture uh, Captain Summoner Crab. She also goads Hayward a fair bit because his buttons are incredibly easy to push. When Hayward has just about enough of her, well, it turns out he can't do anything about it because uh, the entire police station staff has been sent to sleep by Sid Wright's radio signals. I grab our suspect and radio in for help and go outside to meet said help and it turns out that said help is just more crab people. And uh, I get locked up right outside the station and no one's waking up and I scream bloody vengeance upon both of them as they drive away into the proverbial sunset. Episode 50. The last episode of the season, and once again, I really just love everything we learn about Carpenter here. We have a gorgeous flashback to when she was a child and uh, learn how her grandmother almost sacrificed her to the Trawler Man. She decides that only she can go and confront Faulkner and, uh, you know, picks up a piece of glass on the way to stab him with that. Carpenter realizes he's not doing anything but moping in a dodging ring, so she didn't have to kill him. And they have a nice little heart-to-heart. And then they realize the cops are, as always, headed their way. And then Faulkner reveals that, uh, he called the police. And nobody has a gun. Carpenter just about snaps here. She starts absolutely cackling. She tells Faulkner to get up and to pray. while she absolutely rips into the trawler man. She, as the kids say, puts the trawler man on blast. And wouldn't you know it, the pair of them provoke the trawler man into action, sending a massive tsunami that either drowns them or bears them both away. I take 13% responsibility for uh, the destruction of an entire town being flooded by shrimp monsters. I may have antagonized a little bit, but in my defense, I... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I was trying to not flood the town with mollusks. And we think that that's the end. But later, Carpenter wakes up in the shallows of the Delta Downriver. She's hurt badly. 
She's half drowned. She screams for Faulkner, but there's no reply. She starts trudging along the road and soon realizes that she is being followed by a strange whispering figure that keeps growing closer and closer. She finds an abandoned car and she lies down in it, saying that she'll wait for the figure to catch up. She accepts whatever is coming for her. And then it does. That was The Soap Versus Season 1, kind of. We'll see you in season two.